0: Amen. Good to see everybody here this evening. I'm going to have you, if you would, uh, turn in your Bibles to Acts chapter number one. Acts chapter number one. Pastor, I didn't talk with you. What time do I need to wrap up by? About four minutes. Okay. Four minutes. Yes, sir. Okay. 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 Acts chapter number one. When you find your spot, I'm going to have you stand, if you would, for the preaching of the Word of God, or not for the preaching of the Word of God, but for the Uh, for the reading of the Word of God. We won't have you stand for the preaching, but for the reading at least. And so (laughs) i give you guys a chance to sit back down. But we're going to be reading Acts chapter number 1, verses 1 through 9. And then I'll pray and then have you all be seated. And uh, we're going to consider uh, some of the events here that took place after the Lord's resurrection, uh, just prior to His ascension. And uh, let's read here. The Bible says here, The former treatise have I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began both to do and teach, until the day in which he was taken up. After that, he, through the Holy Ghost, had given commandments unto the apostles whom he had chosen, to whom also he showed himself alive after his passion by many infallible proofs, being seen of them forty days, and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. And being assembled together with them, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem. But wait for the promise of the Father, which saith he, ye have heard of me. For John truly baptized with water, but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. When they therefore were come together, they asked of him, saying, Lord, wilt thou at this time restore again the kingdom to Israel? And he said unto them, It is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father hath put in his own power. But ye shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and all Judea and in Samaria unto to the uttermost part of the earth. When they therefore went, excuse me, and when he had therefore, excuse me, when he had spoken these things, uh, while they beheld, he was taken up and a cloud received him out of their sight. Let's pray. Father, we do thank you for this day. Father, we thank you for what our ears have heard, what our eyes have seen. Father, the last couple of days, the presentations, Father, the testimonies, Father, uh, the, the singing and gathering around your word. And, Father, we think about this evening, Father, as now we uh, uh, bring this conference to a close. Father, we pray that you would help us uh, to keep our eyes uh, set before us, Father, on, on that which you deem to be important, Father, that is the uh, salvation of this lost and dying world. And, Father, help us to keep our eyes and our, our efforts and our focus, Father, on uh, maintaining, Father, that which you would have us to do, Father, uh, being involved in this great commission. And Father, we just pray tonight that You would speak to our hearts. Father, help us to listen for Your Spirit, Father, and help us to respond as He speaks. Now, bless in this time of preaching, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. you may be seated. Well, here in this passage of Scripture, uh, Luke is writing to this man, Theophilus, and he's uh, giving him some of the details of things that took place Uh, Just after the Lord's resurrection, the Bible says in verse number three there that Jesus showed himself alive by many infallible proofs being seen of them uh, 40 days. And we know that the Lord Jesus came to this earth. He uh, fulfilled all of the things that were needed to uh, purchase salvation, to appease the Father's wrath, uh, to uh, be able to provide us the gift of eternal life. And he came and he died upon that cross and he said, it is finished. And then they placed him in the grave, and then three days later he arose again. And he completed the work of salvation for mankind. And here in this passage of Scripture, the Lord was uh, giving the disciples a little bit more uh, instruction as he was preparing to go back to be seated at the Father's right hand. He gave them the passage there in Matthew 28 18 to 20, he told them to go into the world and to, you know, to teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things. He gave them Matthew 16 and verse number 15, to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He gave them the, the command in Luke. He said to uh, preach repentance and remission of sins in all the world. And then John 21, 20, 20, 21, uh, he said to, uh, As the Father hath sent me, even so send I you. And the Lord gave the commandment to the disciples. And here in this passage of Scripture, we, uh, we actually come across another one of the Great Commission passages, one that we could potentially all quote together. How many of you all, just by raise of hand, can quote Acts 1-8? If you can quote Acts 1-8, raise your hand. You, you know the passage. Many of us are very familiar with the passage. But you shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And he goes and tells them there'll be witnesses in all the different regions of the world. And uh, here in this passage of Scripture, it's quite interesting. When you look at the events that took place leading up to Acts chapter number 1 and verse number 8, the Lord Jesus is actually, in a sense, is, is reproving or correcting uh, the disciples. He, uh, this, this verse uh, wasn't just another a re-saying of the commandment. He was actually trying to uh, refocus the disciples back onto what they were supposed to be focused on. And we'll see that as we go through the the verses of Scripture here. We'll see what takes place. But the Bible talks about how Jesus uh, spoke of things pertaining to the kingdom of God in verse number 3. And then in verse number 4 and 5, we see a very interesting situation taking place here. Look at the Scripture here in verse number 4 and 5. And being assembled together with them, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which saith he, ye have heard of me. For John truly baptized uh, with water, but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost, not many days hence. The Lord Jesus in his instruction in those 40 days time period, he gave them a, a very simple command. He says, I want you guys to go to Jerusalem and wait for the promise of the Father. A very Simple instruction. He was going to empower them. Over the last three and a half years, the Lord had uh, invested time and effort and energy into these disciples. He was, uh, In a sense, He put all this teaching and instruction into these guys, and these guys were the hope for seeing the, the local church to proceed on and to fulfill this great commission. And here in this passage of Scripture, as Jesus gives them this very simple command, we come to verse number 6. And the Bible says, when they therefore were come together, they ask of Him, saying, Lord, wilt Thou at this time restore again the kingdom to Israel? Now, I don't know how much time elapsed between verse number 4 and 5 and then verse number 6, but we know it was in within that 40-day window. It could have been a few hours later, it could have been... Uh, just a day or two later, or maybe a week or two later. We don't know. But what we do know is that the Lord gave them a very simple command go and wait at Jerusalem for the promise of the Father. And the very next time that the disciples come back together and they meet the Lord Jesus, they ask him this question. They say, Lord, will at this, wilt thou at this time restore again the kingdom to Israel? And, and, and think about this question they're asking. Is there anything wicked or ungodly about the question? What do you think? I think not. There's nothing wicked or ungodly about the question. There's nothing sinfully wrong about the question in any way, shape, or form. But if you do remember that the Lord actually gave the disciples much teaching about the restoration of the kingdom, about the second coming, we have passages in Matthew 24 and 25 and in Mark and in Luke, other places that the Lord Jesus gave much teaching about the restoration of the kingdom. And it's very interesting when the... the no, as soon as the, uh, this question comes out of the disciples' mouth, we see that the Lord quickly brings their attention back to what it needed to be focused upon. And the Bible says in the response to this question, the Bible says, And He said unto them, It is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father hath put in His own power, and then we get to verse number 8. But ye shall receive power, after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and to the uttermost part of the earth. Here in this passage of Scripture, the disciples, they, were, they, they, they came back to Jesus and they asked Him this question. Nothing wrong with it. Nothing biblically unsound about asking the question But remember, they had been given these very simple commands, something that Jesus wanted them to stay focused upon, and that was staying at Jerusalem and waiting for the promise of the Father, that empowerment. You think about this situation here. These men that we're talking about here are grown men, they were given a very simple instruction. How, and I'm going to ask this question, how many of you all at some point in your life had children? How many of you all had children? Raise your hand if you had children. How many of you have children currently, maybe, you know, the, the toddler age and things like that? Now, listen, we were, this is a very interesting situation that we have t- taking place here. Now, I have children. My children right now are uh, two and four. They're, they're quite young. And you know the attention span of a, of a child. And and those of you who don't have children yet, one day you'll uh, understand what you've put your parents through. Uh, But my children, uh, for instance, my son, he's two right now. And uh, I will say to him, son, you know, let's say, for instance, there's a little toy on the floor and there's a box right over here. I'll say, son, I need you to pick up this toy and I want you to put it in this box right here. Very, is that a simple instruction? Did you guys agree? A very simple instruction. And so I'll say to my son, Son, what did I tell you to do? And the response to that very simple command has nothing to do with what I just said. How many of you guys have experienced this with your children? Who's experienced this? Okay, y'all, everybody else had perfect children. I need to talk to y'all <laughs> after the service and find out what you do. But you see the child... The child, they that you can give them a very simple instruction and, and ask to make sure they understood, and they come back with something that has nothing to do with what you just said. And it, it, this passage of Scripture kind of reminds me of my children in a sense, because Jesus gave these disciples a very simple instruction. He said, go away to Jerusalem for the promise of the Father. And immediately the next time they're together, They're off on some other agenda, some other thing that has nothing to do with what Jesus said to do. And then Jesus, of course, quickly had to come and re-remind them. I think about this situation taking place. These are grown men. They're They're not children we're talking about. Jesus invested his time and effort and energy. These were the, if you want to put it in this light, these were the best and the brightest, if you will. These guys had the best seminary teaching. Who's been to seminary or in Bible college, currently a Bible college or been in Bible college sometime in your life? Okay, these guys got to sit under the greatest instructor there ever was. These guys sat under the Lord Jesus Christ himself. They had the most wonderful doctrinal training. They had the best ministry training that anybody could ever have. They got to see the the blind receive their sight. They got to see the lame walk again. They got to see the dead raised. They got to see the dumb speak. They got to see the demonic spirits cast out of people. And then God even, He even let them have the power to do it as well. And He sent them out and they got to come back and rejoice about how that God had allowed them to do the very same thing. They got to see the 5,000 fed. They got to watch as Jesus had the five loaves and the two fishes. And as he broke it, it just kept coming and coming. And they watched and they got to hand out all that food to all those people. They got to see the risen Christ. They got to walk with him. Peter got to walk on the water to the Lord Jesus. These are the, the people that Jesus invested his time, effort, and energy in. And he gave them a very simple command and said, wait at Jerusalem for the promise of the Father. And then the next, then the very next moment that they're together, they're off on some different thing. And from my human perspective, I would be, if I was Jesus, I'd be like, oh man, what did I do? Did I just waste my time with these guys? They're off on some other agenda. And we see the Lord Jesus putting them back onto the focus point where they needed to be, and he gave them Acts 1 and verse number 8. And then we see in verse number 9, the Bible says, And when he had spoken these things, while they beheld, he was taken up, and a cloud received him out of their sight. Now they're seeing something. Jesus reminded them and put them back into the focus of where they needed to be. It was on receiving that empowerment from the Holy Spirit to be able to do the work of the Great Commission. And Jesus refocuses them, and then he starts floating up into the sky. And a cloud receives them out of their sight. What an awesome sight to behold. And again, the Lord has to re-remind them of what they need to be doing, because the Bible says in verse number 10, look at this, if you will, with me. It says, And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, which also said, You men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus, which is taken up from you into heaven, so so come in like manner as you have seen them go into heaven. And then verse number 12, then return they unto Jerusalem. It's kind of a funny situation to me in my mind watching this all take place. Because the Lord Jesus corrects them for being off course. And remember, it wasn't anything bad. That they got off course with, but it took them they took their focus off of the main thing, which was obeying that command that the Lord wanted them to obey, and then the Lord Jesus ascends up into heaven, and I could imagine watching a man floating up into the sky would be a very awesome sight to behold if they you know if they were like me or you I you know and they had binoculars or uh uh, the telescopes and things like that. I'm sure I would have ran to my camel and went and got my telescope out, got my binoculars out, and would have been looking up in the sky to see what was happening up there. But just as they're sitting there staring up into the sky and the Lord, just as, as soon as He gets done correcting them and trying to refocus them, He had to send also two angels to go back and re-remind them because now they're staring into the sky. Hey, listen, this same Jesus shall so come in like manner as you have seen him go into heaven. And the Bible says, then they returned unto Jerusalem. What an interesting situation to see as this unfolds here. You think about the command that they were given, go and wait at Jerusalem for the promise of the Father. This is kind of a, a little bit of a side note to Consider. But think about this for a moment. Just a few days prior to this taking place, there was one disciple that wasn't where he was supposed to be. Do you remember the the disciple we call him Doubting Thomas? Remember, he was supposed to be assembled in the upper room with the other disciples and the other believers. And when the Lord Jesus came and appeared unto him after the resurrection... He was absent from the room. And all the other disciples said, hey, the Lord has risen. We have held him. We have we have handled him. And Thomas says, I don't believe you unless I put my fingers in his hands in the holes of his side. I won't believe that he's alive. And we saw how his absence of being where he was supposed to be at the time he was supposed to be somewhere had made a big difference in his life for the negative way. You think about this. This is, just, this is just supposing for a moment. But what if on the day of Pentecost, Peter says, I go a fishing that day. Instead of obeying the promise of the, what he was told to do, he was told to go away to Jerusalem. The day of Pentecost probably may have turned out much differently if Peter wouldn't have been where he was supposed to be on that day. And it behooves us to Be where we're supposed to be when God wants us to be there and be obedient to the commandment of the Lord. So this is the thing that we find ourselves in, the situation. We have the very men who walked and talked with the Lord Jesus, who were trained by Him and who had been given this great commission. The men that held His... that held him and handled him and walked with him and heard him speak and and watched him do all these miracles. These men, even with all that they had seen, all that they had done, had the potential of getting sidetracked from their main objective, their main focus, which was this great commission. And, And think about this for a moment. They solve all of these things. We haven't seen the risen Christ. We haven't seen the dead raised. We haven't seen the lamb walk. We haven't seen any of these things. And these men that got to stand there with the Lord Jesus Christ, they had the potential of getting sidetracked from the main thing being the Great Commission. And if the very men that got to walk with the Lord Jesus, if they had the potential of getting sidetracked, and in their case, not with something that wasn't even a bad thing, if they had the potential of getting sidetracked, how much more can we who haven't handled and seen the Lord Jesus in the same fashion that they did, how much easier would it be for us to be sidetracked with other things that keep us from fulfilling this great commission Sometimes, you know, in, in our lives, we may get sidetracked from the Great Commission by something that's good. In the, in the case of the disciples here, Jesus quickly brought them back. But sometimes there's other things that keep us. There's weights and sins that so easily beset us and they keep us. Anything, whether it be a good thing or a bad thing, if it keeps us from being focused on this Great Commission, if it moves our eyesight away from the, of seeing people saved and baptized and discipled, anything that takes our focus off of that is not right. So, what do we do then? How how are we going to faithfully fulfill this command that God has given us? To go into all the world and preach the gospel. How is it possible? Is there somebody we can look to? Is there a person, we we see that the disciples, they're flawed, they're they're men just like each and every one of us today, they have flaws. We can look to them and learn from them, but I believe here in this passage of Scripture in Acts chapter number 1, God gives us the best pattern, the best example for us to follow, for us to be able to fulfill this great commission that God has given us. And I want to take the next few moments and show you who this pattern is that we can follow. That we can pattern our lives after to be able to have the hope of fulfilling this great responsibility that God has given us. And the beautiful thing about it is it's not another man. It's not another disciple or some great person. It's actually the Lord Jesus Christ. He's the pattern that is, we find in this passage that if we will follow and pattern our lives after, then we will have hope of keeping ourselves from getting sidetracked from this great commission that God has given us. Look, if you will, we're going to consider this scripture for just the next couple of moments here. Acts chapter number 1. Look at verse number 1 and 2. And this is where we see the pattern, the key, the the that we can pattern our lives after. The Bible says here in Acts chapter number 1, verses 1 and 2. The former treatise have I made O Theophilus. Now here here it goes. Of all that Jesus began both to do. So Jesus began to do, and He began to teach. And then we go into verse number 2, and it says, until the day in which He was taken up. And here, I believe we see the pattern for us to follow if we're going to be able to fulfill this great commission. Let me consider just a couple things for just a moment. The Bible says here in this passage that Jesus began to do and teach, it says, until the day in which He was taken up. For instance, we're going to to consider this thing of doing for just the next couple of moments. Jesus, we, we know about the life of the Lord Jesus Christ uh, we, we know uh, things about his birth and a lot of detail, and then there, there goes on a, a bit of time where we don't know a whole lot up to his, uh, the beginning of his ministry at 30 years of age. But as a young man, in Luke 2 and verse number 49, when Mary and Joseph came down to Jerusalem to, to worship at the temple, they had, were making their way back home and they didn't see Jesus there in the, the mix of the crowd, so they returned to Jerusalem and they find him there in the temple with the doctors and the lawyers. And in verse Luke 2 and verse number 49, he said unto them, How is it that ye sought me? Wished ye not that I must be about my father's business? The Lord Jesus Christ, even as a young man, was focused on doing the will of the Father. Now listen here, we have to have uh, to set in our lives this pattern of doing the things that the Word of God has laid out for us. And Jesus gave us the example. Listen to what I'm going to tell you. The Bible talks about how Jesus was faithful in His worship. The Lord Jesus Christ, many times in Scripture, going through the Gospels, we see Jesus going into the synagogue on the the day of worship. We see Him going into the temple. We see Him worshiping and being faithful to the house of worship that they had there at that time. If we have any hope in fulfilling this great commission, we have to follow the example and the pattern of our Lord Jesus Christ. He was faithful in His worship, in His corporate worship, and in His personal worship. If we're going to fulfill this commission, we're going to have to follow the example of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. We must be faithful in our worship. He was faithful in his prayer. Mark 1 verse 3, he would go out a great while before day and he would spend time in prayer with the Father. If we're going to fulfill this commission that God has given us, we must be faithful in our prayer as well. He was filled with the Spirit, Luke 4 and verse 1. He resisted temptation. He was always doing those things that pleased the Father in John 8 and verse 2. And He was always working the works of Him that sent Him in John 9 and verse number 4. The Bible says that Jesus began to do. There are many things laid out in Scripture that we as believers ought to be doing. The Bible says that It is better to be a a doer of the Word than a hearer only. And Jesus set out a pattern here for us to follow. If we're going to fulfill this great commission that God has given us, we must be doing the Word of God and the will of God in our lives. And the Lord Jesus gave the example. I ask you this evening, are you faithfully doing those things that you know to be doing that are found in the Word of God? given in the life and the example of the Lord Jesus Christ. If not, I encourage you today to determine to start doing those things you know you ought to be doing. Be faithful in your worship. Be faithful to the house of God. Be faithful in your personal walk with God. Be faithful in your prayer. Be faithful in walking in the Spirit, resisting temptation, doing the will of God in your life on a daily basis. Not only did Jesus begin to do The Bible says that he also began to teach. Each and every one of us, as we come to a point in our Christian life, there comes to a point where we ought to be teaching the Word of God, or speaking the Word of God. If you've been saved for any length of time, there comes a point where you've been studying the Scripture and been walking with the Lord that you're able to speak the Word of God. Of course, we know that there has to be the foundation of living the Word of God first. If we're not living the Word of God, we have no business speaking the Word of God. We have to lay the foundation of obedience to God's Word. But think about this for just a quick moment here. There's many times that we as believers, we are maybe faithful to the house of God, and we're faithful in in, uh, living the Word of God. But when it comes to opening our mouth, when the Holy Spirit prompts us, we remain silent. We are disobedient to the Spirit of God. And I'll be the first to admit, there's times where I'm disobedient to God's Spirit. But there's sometimes there's believers, they've been saved for many years, but yet they've never opened their mouth and witnessed to a person in their lifetime. They've enjoyed the benefits of salvation, but yet they've never spoken the Word of God to another person. And you think about the Lord Jesus Christ. Think about His ministry if... If Jesus came and did all the things that the Word of God said to do, but He never once opened His mouth and taught. Think about how strange His ministry would have been. Here comes this man, he's doing all these good things, but he never opens his mouth. He'd have to take a lot of Scripture out of the Gospels because we always find Jesus opening His mouth and speaking. And just as strange as it would be for the Lord Jesus to come and do all these things but never speak, it's very strange for a believer to know the, the, the Word of God and have the Holy Spirit of God within them, but to never open their mouth and speak the Word of God when the Holy Spirit prompts them. And you think about this, the Lord Jesus, He taught the lost. He taught the woman at the well. He taught the maniac in the Gadarenes. He taught Zacchaeus, the wee little man. He taught the multitudes. And then we find the Lord Jesus teaching the dying thief, hanging on the cross next to Him. Everywhere Jesus went, He was teaching the lost. He was always speaking about the things pertaining to the kingdom of heaven. Not only was He teaching the lost... But simultaneously, He was teaching the disciples. He would teach the, uh, the lost in, in, a, in the corporate setting, and then afterwards, He would come aside with His disciples, and He would expound to them the Scriptures even more. He taught them doctrine. He taught them compassion. He taught them how to pray. He taught them how to have faith. He taught them how to have a relationship with the Father. The Lord Jesus Christ, He was always doing, but He was always teaching too. Teaching the lost and, t- and discipling others. And if we're going to fulfill this great commission that the Lord Jesus has given us, we too must be faithfully teaching the lost. We too must be faithfully investing our lives into other brothers and sisters in Christ, babes in Christ, and helping them along so that they can be able to be a witness, so that they can be what God would have them to be. Praise God if you're here today and you're faithfully doing what God wants you to do, living according to the Word of God. But there comes a point in your Christian walk where you have to go beyond just doing and you need to become teaching. And when I say that, I mean teaching the lost and teaching other brothers and sisters in Christ. Are you faithfully being a witness? Are you faithfully discipling and helping others along in their faith? If we have any hope of fulfilling this great commission, we must be doing and we must be teaching and then we're going to consider this last thing for just the next moment here. Now look at what the Bible says here. This is so interesting. The former treatise have I made of Theophilus all that Jesus began both to do, it says, and teach. Did Jesus do and teach for just a few days? Did he say, "I'm going to teach for, you know, a couple days and then I'll be done and my work's done"? He says, "I'm going to I'm going to do and teach until I get tired." I'm going to do and teach until I just you know, feel like it's somebody else's turn. The Bible says he began to teach, began to do and he began to teach, it says, until the day in which he was taken up. And this is the longevity of it. How are we going to fulfill this great commission that God has given us? How are we going to faithfully do it to the end? Well, we're going to do it by following the example of the Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible says that the Lord Jesus Christ was faithful in doing and teaching. And the Bible says until the day that God took him home. And think about this for a minute. The the Lord Jesus Christ was hanging there on the cross in pain and in agony. Probably more pain and suffering, more agony than anybody that we we could ever imagine. And as he's hanging there on that cross, we see him looking down there to his mother and to the the, the disciple. And he's saying, son, behold thy mother, mother, behold thy son. He's still giving instruction to the disciples. We see him hanging there on the cross and he's saying to the man hanging next to him, Behold, today thou shalt be with me in paradise, the Lord Jesus Christ gave us the example for us to follow. Do we live the Word of God? Do we teach the Word of God until we get tired? Do we live the Word of God and teach the Word of God until we maybe get hurt and we say, oh, it's time for me to let somebody else do it? No, we we need to be faithful and determine in our hearts that we're going to be faithful until the day that God calls us home. We ought to determine in our hearts and say, God has left me here for a purpose and for a reason. It's not to just sit around and to wait for Him him to come, but it's to be faithfully doing and faithfully teaching the Word of God. When God wants us to be done, He's going to take us home. And so if He has us here, it must be for a reason, not to just wither away. But to be faithfully proclaiming His Word, to be faithfully living according to the Word of God, there should be never a day where we say it's time to stop living the Word. There should be never a day where it's, well, it's time to stop teaching the Word. Each and every one of us. It doesn't matter from the youngest to the oldest if we know the Lord Jesus Christ as Savior and the Holy Spirit's living within us. We need to strive and determine that we want to follow this pattern of our Lord and Savior. He was faithful to do And He was faithful to teach until the day that He was taken up. And this, I believe, is the key for us to fulfill this great commission. Maybe you're faithfully doing. Maybe you're not faithfully doing. Maybe there's things that you you know you need to be doing. And the Holy Spirit will reveal those things to you. Maybe you're at a place where you are faithful in doing the things that you know you ought to do, but you haven't fully given yourself over and committed yourself to speaking the Word of God when the Holy Spirit prompts you. And each and every one of us, we need to determine to strive to follow the example of our Lord and Savior, to be faithful until He calls us home. He's the one who will let us know when it's time to rest. And if we are faithful in following our Lord's example, we'll be able to faithfully say, I've Fulfilled my part in this great commission that God has given to me. Pastor.